0: One of the things I've talked about in some of my presentations is this. If HR people were to remember their humans first, personally, if I bring myself as a human to work, I will do great to HR. If I come in as an HR title or an HR professional, I'll never do great HR. They need to hear the human side of who we are, legitimately, authentically, and genuinely. Then over time, people will have a better experience with us and those things will turn into smiles.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of All About HR. My name is Nelly, I'm your host. And for today's episode, I got to sit down with Steve Brown. Steve is a Chief People Officer at La Rosa's and we had a super interesting conversation that I can't wait to share with you. But before we get to that, you know it by now. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, we really appreciate it. If you could do that, like the video as well and hit the notification button. Welcome to another episode of All About HR. Now, let me welcome you. Steve, welcome on the podcast. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, Neely. how are you?
1: I'm very well too, thank you. It is a little bit warm today here in the Netherlands because I think this week we're gonna have a bit of a heat wave, which is very unusual for us. But um, other than that, all good.
0: It's very warm here too, oh. and humid. <laughs> not, not very nice to be outside.
1: So it's a good thing, actually, that we're having this conversation done, Steve. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So perhaps before we really get to today's topic, would you mind uh, telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself and about La Rosa's and the work that you're doing? Sure.
0: I am the chief people officer, so I am over all things people at La Rosa's. And everything from compensation, hiring, employee relations, you name it, uh, strategy, on uh, HR. And La Rosa's has been around for 68 years. We're a pizzeria. We serve great food. You'd love it here. It's so good. And it's a family environment. So people come and really enjoy what we do. We're kind of an iconic brand when it comes to that. So it's really a great place to work and do good HR.
1: Nice. And so if, you know, if uh, one day I get to be in in one of your restaurants, what uh, pizza would you recommend?
0: Oh, it depends on your taste, honestly. Mm. Uh, so we have quite a variety. You can do more traditional things, American style. But, you know, are you a spicy person? Are you Yes. A okay. We have a Roma focaccia, which is incredible. It's capicola ham and banana peppers and a focaccia sauce. It's one of my favorites.
1: Nice. I'll keep that in mind. So Steve, also, I mean, I had a look, of course, at your LinkedIn and you have, I think, a very uh, refreshing approach to HR. So maybe you can tell a little bit about that.
0: I'm not your traditional HR person at all. Never have been. I am much more people oriented and systems second instead of systems first. So understanding people for who they are, the wonderful things that they bring to the workplace. I like to say people are wonderful and messy. So that's okay. And if you just swim in that and take people for who they are, where they are, you can do amazing things. The other difference is I don't believe in collective HR, like everything for everybody. Like here's a policy that goes, if it's if it's something that affects just you and then we make it enforced for everybody, it's never worked. So I take care of Neely for Neely, Apollo for Apollo, Steve for Steve, and then the whole works. Instead, most HR people do the other way around. Large, overarching systems, and then they have to fight all the time inside it. Instead of taking care of each person for who they are and what needs they have, and in the end, the whole works.
1: The reason that I was that I was asking this question is actually also linked to something I would like to talk with you about today, and that's linked to uh, an article that you recently shared on LinkedIn. And so, as a side note for our listeners, Steve really writes beautiful articles with in my uh, opinion a very refreshing view on HR and yeah they really uh, touch me when I read them so check them out if you have the opportunity on his LinkedIn and this is not me doing any kind of advertising but I'm, I'm serious they're really beautiful articles anyhow long story short he recently shared an article and it's called time for a change and that is actually what sparked the idea for today's conversation with me because the article talks about the way that people view HR and then there was this really I think interesting way of starting the article, which was actually by, I think, the eight smileys, well, no, emojis, I should say, the eight emojis that pop up first when a friend of yours it types HR. And let's say that they were not like happy emojis. <laughs> let's put it that way. I mean, you can, you can check out Steve's article if you want to see them for yourself. But that was the thing that sparked this, this conversation idea. Steve, I wanted to start with these sad emojis or these unhappy emojis. Where do you believe that this reputation, this, this feeling about, I believe it was working with HR, right? Where does it come from?
0: That's a great question. I think many people base their experiences on if something went wrong, And that becomes their framework reference. So if you had a bad interaction with me and I'm your HR person, therefore you go, Steve didn't do this, or HR didn't do this, or I tried to ask him this and it fell short. The other part of it though, is how HR has positioned itself in companies that were not as accessible, were not as approachable, were not as able to always be there for people on a regular basis. So, if you don't give me your time and attention, I don't care what role you're in, but especially in HR, then there's no surprise that it went negative, or there's no surprise that it was more dark. When Eric sent me the, or he actually posted on LinkedIn, and he says, So, when you see these emojis, what do you think? And the first thing I thought of was, Is this how people view HR, or is it how HR views people? Because when you talk to HR people, they tend to talk about the hard stories and the people who are challenging, instead of the people who are amazing. So I think it's earned on both sides Mm. of the ledger, how people view us, typically because of their experience with us, or where we tend to focus on the negative more than the positive when it comes to people.
1: Yeah. I think that is a, a very good point that you're making there. And I would love to, a little bit later on, uh, look at how both sides actually can can uh, try to turn these sad emojis into happy ones. But that's, that's I'll, I'll save that for later. First, Steve, do you feel that this idea about HR is justified?
0: Yes, uh, I don't like that, but yes. The best way to tell this is, is this, go into a company and ask them, how they view HR. So there's a local hospital very well known here, has a national reputation here in Cincinnati and historically not good views of their HR group. If HR talks about themselves, they get high scores on surveys and boy, they're really good. But you talk to the people. And you get a whole different experience. Yeah. It's really a shame. There's a disconnect. I think people in HR have traditionally spent more time keeping people in line and trying to make people conform instead of allowing them to bring their strengths and their diversity to the table every day.
1: Yeah, I, I, I spoke to somebody on the podcast uh, not so long ago, and, and she actually said, uh, yeah, that it's traditionally HR people sometimes were no persons. So they were basically there <laughs> to defend the interests of the company. And they were basically people who had to say no all the time. So that's that's a little bit in line with what you're saying. Steve, and to what extent do you believe that I think in the article you called it HR's self-defeatist attitude? To what extent does that play a role in this reputation and this image that's I think
0: it's huge. We are the only profession, only one that just beats itself up constantly. Uh, there are articles and books and conferences and you know podcasts about the shortcomings of our profession and we just keep feeding into it because it's good it's juicy people are like oh boy if hr would do this and that kind of stuff you don't hear that from sales you don't hear them from finance you don't hear that from it or operations but we do we are so introspective but not in a positive way mm. so i think i believe in model the behavior you expect in others so if you're somebody who's self-defeated it's how you're going to treat others it just is And then that sets a really difficult tone for that type of approach to HR. It just does. I think you can turn that around, and I know we're going to get to that, but if that's how you lead from a self deviated standpoint, it's how you're going to treat others.
1: That's how it works with every attitude, I think. But where do you believe then that this conviction comes from?
0: I think there's a couple things. One, we've misaligned who we are in organizations. When we say we're a support function, I'm there if you need me. The rule that I always say is if people say they have to come to HR, that means you're not inside the organization, whether you are or not. So mm-hmm. the only time I come to you is when there's something on fire or some problem. Instead of say, I rely on HR, they're a partner with me. They're integrated throughout the organization. So if you position yourself as I'm only used when I'm needed, there's a gap. The second thing is we haven't challenged enough senior leadership to say, what do you want HR to be? How do you want it to look? How does that need to function in organizations? And then hear what they have to say. Since most people aren't in what we do, their misconception of what HR is sets the table. And I know many peers who've said, "Boy, I'd love to have a positive aspect on HR, but that's not how my senior leadership views it. I think it's a terrible excuse. It's a terrible way to succumb to it to say, oh, gosh, you know, just because they're going to treat me bad, I guess I'll just have to go with it instead of challenging it and turning that around.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point uh, that you that, that you're making there and I'm really hoping that we can that we can you know even with this short episode of a podcast that we can hopefully uh, inspire people to to start changing that so let's move on to that Steve because yeah so this is this is how things unfortunately are being viewed often now let's look at how we can turn those not so happy smileys into happy ones and for that I would like to start with HR itself so how do you see HR's role in changing this existing perspective on their profession and on what they are doing and on their role in the organization. Does it start with HR? Maybe that's a better first question. It starts with HR, I guess, no?
0: I I agree with you. I think it has to. Uh, I can't change things unless I understand where I'm coming from personally. So how do I approach what I do? How does my team approach what it does? How do you make it framed so that it's constructive, so that it's positive? When I do need to say no, How do I say that in a way so that people have context and understand why what's going on? It's not no because it's no. It's no because, hey, here's this. If somebody was doing something unsafe, Instead of jumping to a policy and a procedure, have a conversation around, hey, if you did this, then this will happen. You're doing the same thing. We tend to cite chapter and verse as a shield instead of saying, I'm going to have a relationship with you to help you do your work better. And the second part is where it starts with HR is if we would focus more on performance instead of compliance, we'd be light years ahead. Compliance has to happen. It doesn't mean you get rid of it. We do this either or thing. I focus on performance or compliance. My thing is, if you teach me to perform, if you equip me to perform, if you help me lead my people, if I lead others as a people manager, the company performs, we do well. That's such a different way to do HR, instead of saying, what's the dress code policy? What's the attendance policy? Uh, Did we get our performance reviews done? Is our cost of living raised in? Those are functions of systems, instead of saying, What's the behavior I want to show every day in order for my team members to do well?
1: From what you were talking about a little bit uh, uh, earlier as well, I also get the feeling here that when we talk about, you know, how can how can HR start making a change here, that it seems as as if there's also something like almost a collective, and collective as in the HR profession, a collective need for, I don't know if it's it's not necessarily self-confidence or maybe it is, but a kind of... Yeah, different way of thinking about their own role, actually, in the company, you know, and maybe it is self-confidence or I don't know how you would, do you see, do you understand what I wanted, what I'm trying to say or like almost it's like a, a crash course in, in being proud of what you're doing and you know being able to to sell yourself in a good way like salespeople could do that or so do you know what i'm getting I, trying I know to get exactly
0: it? yeah i know what you're saying i think there's a difference between you to know, have self-awareness and self-assurance i'm yes. confident in what i do and i'm talented in what i do just like others not again versus it's because this is what i do in an organization what i bring mm-hmm. to the table there's value to that It's not a less than, it's not a a problem solving only. Actually, it should be very proactive and strategic and reactionary when needed. We tend to be reactionary first. So I think if it's more proactive in front of people, always connected, integrated throughout the organization, yeah, you own it. The challenge is too many people try to do HR on their own. So they don't do things like having somebody from the Netherlands reach out and have a podcast. They don't talk to people, seriously, they don't talk to people even outside their four walls. It's impossible to have that empowerment, that passion, and that ownership if you try to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. HR people need a community, probably more than any other profession, because a lot of what we do, we can't talk about internally. Yes, yes. So you, you gotta have people you can go to. If you have that community, then it'll help build that confidence over time.
1: Yeah, I mean, we also on the podcast, we've talked about the beauty and also the, the, the power that lies in community as well. We spoke with Julie Turney before she actually is. She really uh, also talked about you, but yeah, we, we spoke about HR community and the importance of that, because yes, you can encourage each other, but you can also learn from each other and you understand, you really understand better than anybody else what the other person is going through because you're in the same boat, really. So yeah, that I'm glad that you mentioned that again, because I think it's important. So So if anybody's listening and they're not part of an HR community yet, please seek out an HR community, whether it's online or in person, but seek one out and and please join because it's so helpful. I'm feeling a little bit like I'm doing all these advertisements in today's episode. But anyhow, I was wondering if we could make it even a little bit more practical, Steve. So how can people professionals get started straight away? Maybe there are some examples that are relatively easy to to get started with, does anything come to mind? Several things. Ah, fantastic. <laughs>
0: the, the first thing is understand that people are more important than your desk. So wherever your workspace is, and it, whether you're in-person, remote, hybrid, people are far more important. So they should be worth your time. They should be worth your effort. People are more important than your desk. They just are. The second thing is, what are you doing to move people forward? So a lot of HR happens outside of HR and we've lost sight of that. Most HR happens when others are leading others. So if I can equip people managers to do better, I'm doing more significant, tangible things inside the company by helping them lead their people. So how do they view others? We do an exercise like this. We put a flip chart up, old-fashioned flip chart, big piece of paper. And I put at the top of the word, uh, top of the sheet, employees. I'm like, describe employees. And oh my gosh, it just goes negative. You know, lazy. ah, wow, wah. wah, wah. Because they have nowhere to get it out. It's not their bad people or they feel poorly about people, but that's their lens. So if you let them get out and you go, okay, cool. So people are lazy, dumb, stupid, unreliable, all kinds of stuff. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They go, okay, who in the room is an employee? (laughs) And they go, well, that's not cool. See, how you view others is how you will treat others. So help me. Let me help you as an HR person to view your bad people better. For those that are challenging, how do we help them? Not that they aren't. And not that you aren't. You might be the challenging person too. So to me, it's much more proactive in person, whether it's virtual or not. Time all the time. Not only when there's challenges. It just drains you too much. If all you're doing is putting out fires, you're just dying. So time to turn that around. And you can do that on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, I think it's very important that you act that you actually try to do this on a daily basis because then it becomes a habit, but a good one. So I think that's that's actually an important element of it. Now, I was already thinking about this earlier when you briefly touched on it, but like let's look at the organization's leadership as well because mm-hmm. I feel that they also have a really important role to play in help change the way that HR is being regarded. What are your
0: thoughts on that? Again, I think you're right on point. I'll give you a great example. My CEO and I talk every day. Now we are a smaller company and I understand other people when you say this, well, I'll never get to talk to my CEO. Whatever that next senior person is or two levels up or three levels up, you need to be connected to them intimately so every day we talk but what's interesting is he comes to my office i don't nice. go to his we've established this over time in several years so i check in with him every day and we talk about things like how's your family how are you feeling today what's the big pressure that you're facing is there anybody here that can help you whether i can be that in person or not but hr should be tied to senior leadership intentionally to see how they're doing we, we once people get to a senior level we just ignore them we just expect right. them to lead instead of Checking the human side of who they are. It's interesting. We talk about well being, but we talk about the front line or the midpoint instead of well being being something for every employee. We talk about uh, balance and how do we make sure people are integrating their work and their life, kind of moving back and forth in and out. But we don't do it at senior level. We just expect more and more and more from them mm. to drive numbers to hit revenue goals instead of saying, if I take care of you as a person, you'll hit those things. So it's turning it around. If that happens, they will have a more positive view of what HR can do for their company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I could also imagine that there is a maybe part of it would also be not just sharing a new policy that came from HR, you know, but also sharing the positive things that HR has been working on that perhaps are being overlooked, you know, or they're Mm -hmm. being taken for granted, but talking about that as well, so that it becomes also, I think, more clear to people all of the things that HR is working on or that HR is involved in or the projects that they are initiating for the good of the of the people working in the organization. I think there's a, there's also probably a still a lot to gain in that area.
0: I agree. I, one of the things that we're doing here, we started something radical, old-fashioned, called mm. uh, it's an internal newsletter. It's not an intranet. It's not Slack. It's just an old-fashioned summary of here's what's going on. And we called it In the Know. And the reason we did that was we want you to be in the know and just taking everything and putting it down at where people can reach it instead of making it all convoluted and big and bureaucratic, put it on that bottom shelf and go, just want you to know this. If people go, oh, cool. So I think you're right. Transparency should show what the organization is doing, moving forward in a positive light. It should be honest about the challenges it faces, but it shouldn't say, here's where we're not doing well, expecting it to go better. Those other two components will drive it much farther and HR can own that message.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then there was actually one other group of people in a company that I, that I wanted to explore their role in, in, in this actually. So I spoke to uh, to somebody on the podcast not last Long ago, as well, and what she said was like HR is the co-responsibility of every single person in the company, and I kind of like that thought. And so I was thinking, if we view it like that, how would you think that every single employee can then contribute to this changing perspective on HR?
0: I, I really like that. I think that's fresh, mm. and, and to see. And my thing is this: if you tell me to bring my whole whole self to work, which everybody says in theory, let it happen. When people do that they contribute in ways they've never done before. So when you allow the latitude and the permission to be who they are oh my gosh it's crazy you can see here in my office i have a bunch of toys all over i have all a bunch of colorful things it's just who i am i don't expect that from anybody else and a lot of companies that go it needs to look this way be this way fit in this box instead of saying i want to bring the natural diversity and talent that everybody has in order to move the company forward it's really interesting we talk about talent like hiring instead of saying the talent i bring every day that Mm -hmm. improves hr i can't just be talented to come in i should be telling it all the time, and we are, but I like your idea of having that co-responsibility because then it's not a function or a department. It's a reality and part of the culture. Great HR is a reality and part of the culture that's woven in throughout instead of a department that sits outside.
1: Yes, and I mean, it's something that is affecting each and every one of us in the company on a daily basis. We might not always be aware of it, but it really is. So yeah, I also very much like that thought. And it was also linked to what you mentioned as well earlier. It's about HR partnering with every single person in the company as well and I also thought that that was a Was a nice one. So, Steve. So we know that the current perception of HR is not great. We have looked at some ways that we can hopefully very fast uh, improve that. So, what would you say? What's your hope for? Let's say, uh, let's say next year around the same time we're going to be having a conversation again. And how would you like to to see these smileys, uh, these emojis? Excuse me, uh, then for HR.
0: I think there's two parts to it. One, we have to own where we are And, and just say, hey, this is where we are. Once you know where you are. Then you can move forward instead of saying, this is where we are. We're never going to get out of this. This is the way it's always going to be. And for decades, it hasn't changed. I mean, before the internet, if they would have done a search, those same pictures would have come up. (laughs) So so my thing is don't tolerate it anymore. Just don't tolerate it personally or professionally. I don't want to be viewed that way for doing the work that I do. I don't think my peers do either. So first is assess and own it. The second thing is make intentional steps every day to change the narrative, intentional. Understand you're gonna hit a lot of obstacles, you're going to get some resistance, but in the end, one of the things I've talked about in some of my presentations is this. If HR people were to remember their humans first, personally, if I bring myself as a human to work, I would do great to HR. If I come in as an HR title or an HR professional, I'll never do great HR. They need to know my faults. They need to know my ups and downs. They need to know I had a cold or my kids are doing this, or my wife's doing this, or I just lost this, or I just bought a dog. They need to hear the human side of who we are, legitimately, authentically, and genuinely. Then over time, people will have a better experience with us and those things will turn into smiles.
1: Yes, one emoji at a time, we will change this. I like that. Steve, what I always like to do also in the podcast is uh, ask my guest about what they believe is the biggest cliche that exists about HR.
0: Get <laughs> One? Oh, just one.
1: I know there's, a, I've heard plenty, but yeah, just one for now. <laughs> uh,
0: the biggest one I've heard is that HR people don't care, which is not true. It just isn't. The majority of my peers, and I talked to many of them around the globe, they genuinely care about people, but they've put themselves in a system or a structure so that that's pulled out of it instead of it being the center of it. We have a thing at work, I'll show it to you real quick, here, that we just put. Uh, yeah, this is we this. are people first, uh, yeah. But right here, if I do more two people versus four people, I'm not successful. If I do more four people versus two people, I'm successful, so we need to teach people that we do care, that we're doing things for them in HR instead of to them. The majority of people think that we do it to them and therefore we don't care.
1: I hadn't heard that one yet. So thank you very much uh, for that. And then another thing that I always like to ask is to share an epic win and an epic fail. So we've heard professional ones, we've heard personal ones before we've heard combinations of them, but just like anything that you're comfortable sharing with.
0: We'll go with epic fail first. Uh, First epic fail was when I challenged senior management, I was at a company about a month and I was out on the floor a manufacturing plant and the, the president came in and said why are you uh, out on the floor why aren't you at your desk HR people are supposed to be at their desk and I said I think I need to be where the people are because that's what HR is all about and, and we got into it and so here I am a month in challenging the president and the founder of the company at the end he said this is awesome. I like this. However, where the fail came was he went to my boss, who was the CFO. And the CFO said, why do you think you should go around me? Is that a good idea? Because if that's how you're going to be here, you're not going to have a long time here. So here's the CFO who felt more personally offended than seeing the good side of changing HR for people first type stuff. And this was before people first was even thought of or popular. Uh, I'm no longer there. Because <laughs> Because in the end, it wasn't going to ever change. His way was going to be far more important than where it needed to go. So it was the first time I had gone around my boss and I didn't know it, and mm. uh, he smacked me pretty hard.
1: Okay, but it was an epic fail, but it was like uh, you, were, you were honestly not aware of it. Maybe, right. You know, you, you, yeah, exactly. Okay. And do you also have an epic win? This
0: is going to sound cliche. Every day is an epic win here. Oh. Because I'm now in a position as the chief people officer to make HR tangible, relevant, and needed in an organization. So every day, the meeting I had just before coming on the podcast, we're talking about the future of the company, and I'm help leading those discussions. In the past, HR wasn't even in the room talking about that. So to be able to really be fully integrated and move an entire organization forward, this is the type of thing that HR people dream of, and I get to do it every day.
1: Wow, Steve. That's a really beautiful one. Thank you so much for sharing that, and also thank you very much for this beautiful conversation because we are already actually at the end of it. So very happy that you that you had the time to join us, and thank you so much. Thanks for having
0: me. It was great. When I when we first wanted to connect, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. I love what you're doing. I love that you're trying to shine a positive light on what we do.
1: Yeah, thank you. But that's that's very nice. That's that's nice, and that's exactly what we what we are trying to do. So very happy to help a little bit. Let me also thank everybody for tuning in again to today's episode I hope that you enjoyed it don't forget if you haven't done so yet you make us really happy if you subscribe to the channel if you like this video and share it with a colleague a family member or a friend and then I see you very soon again for a new episode bye